the Silver Voices Project, which allowed for digitization and sharing of this archival audio, was made possible by a grant from the U.S. Institute of Museum and Library Services, grant number MA 30190681198119. The views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this audio do not necessarily represent those of the Institute of Museum and Library Services. <clears throat> this is March 1978 <clears throat> and will be a background interview <clears throat> for the Arthur Siegel material conducted by Jim McQuaid <clears throat> with Joe Monroe and Don Shapiro in Orinda, California. And this is the first part of the interview, but it begins on track B of this reel. For um, uh, just because for preservation, you know, like for an archive, yeah. a cassette they self-destruct eventually, you know, mechanically. Yeah. And the tape's a little just tougher, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, I saw uh, Berger and Worst in um, around uh, September last fall. I went to Detroit to see them. Yeah. And uh, then I. Um, Interviewed Arthur in November, first week of November, basically, and then in January, uh, I was in Detroit again. I, I actually went to see Arthur again, but I interviewed uh, Mark Christensen. Oh, swear again! Where is he now? He's living in Detroit. Well, no, I know, but does he still work for the telephone company? No, I think he's just retired. Is he? <laughs> Jesus. Oh and, God. Uh, and also. Uh, Margaret. Uh, Margaret Worst. Worst Peterson yeah. came down yeah. and and. We interviewed the two of them together. And that was, uh, who was that now? With Mark? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they... Gee, that must have been old home week. Yeah, yeah and she wrote down a scrapbook she had of all kinds of pictures and stuff. Yeah. And I've also been looking for, uh, trying to locate back copies of that little kind of Mimeo newsletter that the this is... Photo Guild put out. And I've written to about six or eight people who are past presidents and... Well, the guy that we know members. was the guy I was going to have over here. He used to write it. Ah, well, I'll have to. Don I may Shapiro. have to get down and see him tomorrow. Or he's got a job on in the afternoon, and he's not feeling well. And uh, he said he's just not going out anywhere. But you could probably talk to him. He might be able to Xerox some stuff. And maybe I guess so, I should just call him, talk on the phone for a while. I think and see if <laughs> see if he's got it. And he has a kind of a trained journalistic memory that uh, he majored in journalism in college, even though he never went into it. Mm -hmm. and his photography is more in the sort of studio and, and uh, annual report type mm -hmm. of thing. But his mind has a, is mem memory trained, and mine is like a sieve on a lot of things <laughs> like that. So Don would be a good, so anyway, well, go ahead. Okay, well let me, let me ask you this then, in yes. terms of yourself, um, uh, well, you were born in Detroit? Let's no, start. I was born in Florida, but uh, we moved to Michigan. Uh, my mother died when I was a year old. We moved to Michigan in about a year. Okay, now just to place this in time, when when were you born? What is your uh, seventeen? Nineteen seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. So I'm sixty-one now. Okay. Yeah. So you moved to Detroit. Eighteen, and now we were there for about three or four years. I was just as a kid living with my aunt until mm -hmm. my father remarried, and then he was station. His work was in New Orleans. He was with the Ford Motor Company, and then so they brought me down to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. We lived there for three years until Ford canned him. <laughs> and then uh, in the big 
Harry Bennett purge of that era. And so then we all moved back, the family moved back to Michigan, which was really the family home, was mm -hmm. Detroit, the Detroit area. And uh, So by this time you are about eight or nine? Yeah, like six okay. or, yeah, eight or nine, and then... And then I stayed there till, uh, till I went into the service in World War II. So you went to public school uh, and high school in yeah. Detroit? Yeah, never, never went to college. Got married right away. Mm -hmm. What high school did you go to in Detroit? Lincoln High in Ferndale, Michigan. Because my father is your age, exactly. He went to Cooley. And, yeah. he's ex and my father, in fact, it's interesting, was a uh, little sidelight here, was born exactly four years after Arthur's, went to the day, you know. And yeah. it was kind of interesting. How old was Arthur? Again, you, somebody sent me the... Uh, curious coincidence, we had some people went on a river... I do these river trips, uh, just cooperative trips. They're not commercially. Mm -hmm. and, but every once in a while, if someone hears about it, wants to go, and one thing leads to another, and then get on one of the trips. And this family from Chicago, the Farwells, he's with this uh, mental uh, thing, uh, where they... It's sort of like a... Alcoholics Anonymous only mm -hmm. in the mental field. and um, Some kind of group therapy thing? Yeah, well, it's a big national deal. And they came along, well, they knew Arthur. Just pure coincidence. Mm -hmm. We're good friends. And they told me he was dying. This was uh, two summers ago, but I guess it was some of his close friends mm -hmm. knew it. And so I wasn't really surprised, but, uh, you know, I didn't. Yeah. But, sure. uh, uh, well, anyway, I, well, we digressed there. What, what were we well, up to? Well, I was just sort of warming up to the period before you met Arthur. Were you, did you become interested in photography real early on, like in high school? Well, um, no. Uh, Dad, my father, at all, was a, a sort of an amateur, better than normal amateur photographer. Mm -hmm. And I always had a big graph flex. Mm -hmm. And I like to smell it. You, know, mm -hmm. you put your head down and it smells good. Yeah. And... Uh, so I was just, you know, sort of interested uh, vicariously because he used to do it. And then when I married very young, we had a child right away, and, and I got a, an Argus camera to, uh, you know, to take Standard pictures thing. of the new kid. Mm -hmm. And it was a $12.50 Argus in those days. And then I just kind of got interested in it, you know. And then a friend of mine who wasn't married... His father got him a Contax camera, 35mm mm -hmm. ice camera. God, I was just fascinated with that. Who was who this? Anybody well, this was a fellow named George Harris, uh -huh. who still lives around. He's an architect now. Now, let me, let me just try and place this in time a little bit for reference here. You okay. would have graduated from high school in 34? 34, 35. 35? Yeah, let's see. See, I graduated in mid-year. Remember they had mid-year. Oh. So in the 34, 35, were you yeah. a little bit ahead or were you a little bit behind? Do you recall? Uh, no, I was just normal. Just about a, a half year. Yeah. Uh, God, my wife would remember. But it was 34 or yeah, 5. Yeah, 34, 35. We were married in 35. And uh, well, so, so this would have been with a kid with the contacts would have been about 35, 36 is when mm -hmm. I... Okay. Yeah, started developing film in the bathroom, and, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, and go, and going to camera clubs, and that's when I met. I used to go to the Eddie Worst's place and read magazines at noon. I worked for the homeowners loan company as a. I was a uh, machine calculator guy. Mm -hmm. you know. 
and uh, I used to, but I'd stay up all night with cameras and that, and then I'd go over to the camera shop and and uh, read the magazines mm -hmm. free during the noon hour, you know, and uh, and talked to them, got to know all the guys, and joined all these camera clubs. Yeah. The Detroit Camera Club was the reigning. I have a list here of the the past presidents of what is now known as the Photographic Guild of Detroit, but wasn't uh, quite in this early period. And and this, this is just a list of the presidents, but you probably would have known some of those uh, people. Are, who's, you know, the earliest one where you were active would have been uh, probably 35, 36, something like that. Yeah, Schiller's name is familiar. Uh, I guess Schlepp, well, Barry Hill, I knew Lionel Barry Hill pretty well. Uh, J.M. Miller, Harvey Crows, of course, is still out. Did you talk to Harvey? I haven't talked to Harvey. I really he's, should. He's out at Cranbrook, or used to be. Now he's retired now, Maybe. living in in uh, northern Michigan. Is somewhere. he? And well, see, I have to. <laughs> another reason, maybe this explains more uh, why I'm really following up on the Arthur Siegel material is partly because I also I went to Cranbrook. I went to the boys' school. Oh, did you? And uh, you know, like Harvey made my senior picture, you know, and all that stuff, and I knew, and I knew his son. A little bit. He was a couple years older than me. Well, um, did he tell you that, you know, I had the job before he had it. No, I didn't know I that. was the director of photography there, and when I went off into the service in, uh, oh, I guess it was... 42, probably? Uh, no, it was... Uh, yeah, 42. Uh, uh, I had take, gotten the job because the guy there had gone off to the service, mm -hmm. so that I still didn't have to go because I had a couple of kids, but then finally I had to go. And Harvey didn't have to go for some damn reason. And then uh, he took the job. He's been there ever since. Yeah, he just He's, retired about, yeah. well, I think actually almost uh, eight or nine years ago now. Well, you see, I know all of these guys like uh, Miller, Muggs Miller, Lionel Berryhill, Harvey Crows, Izzy Berger, Charles Charmatz, Mike Rowe, Elwood Armstrong. Didn't know him too well. And then after this, you see, when I got back from the Army, this, or the Air Force, I had a job with a magazine called the Farm Quarterly. I was there, it was a new magazine, I was their staff photographer. And I lived in Detroit for about a year and a half after I got out of the service, but then I moved to Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then I, I got out of all of that. And uh, see these guys, all of these Afterwards, guys, you wouldn't be in contact? I wouldn't know any of these Okay, well, I just thought that was a, a couple I'd of... I'd probably them. stop at about... Uh, 45, something like that? Yeah, micro... Well, I knew a Lyle Cross, but I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, when you start going to the camera club meetings, um, you know, what do you recall about what that was like uh, at the time? Uh, this is, what, probably 1936 or 35 yeah. we're talking about. Well, it was and, a whole uh, new world, you know, and uh, I was very ambitious. It was a way to uh, win, enter your pictures, win prize, you know, get a uh, mm -hmm. mention in the paper, something you could talk about, and... and uh, Put your work against other people's, see what was going on, and, and uh, you know, I just I enjoyed the whole social thing, and, uh, and but very early on, and I don't know as I could place the, the timing, mm -hmm. but very early on, we I knew art and 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 we got into this rebellious thing. Mm -hmm. around there and that's what was exciting you know glossy paper and uh, 
So what was the nature? I mean, could you characterize what you were rebelling against and what you were? Well, what the you were old. Saying? It was the old traditional uh, using photography as just an imitation of painting. You know, uh, all the pretty scenes and the pretty girls and the, everything, either dramatic or you know, sort of an overblown sentimental uh, business. You know, and. Uh, and who were some of the people who were doing that that you recall? Well, Is this would one be, of those? No, well, Berger, Berger didn't fit into either any of our categories. Uh, <laughs> I suppose we all... Uh, he, uh, he admired Arthur, I think, and uh, uh, admired his work. He, but, and he didn't, but he didn't like the... You know, his pictures were always sharp, and, uh, but they were big and dramatic type of thing. And, uh, you know, Siegel would show, Siegel just opened whole new worlds to us. Uh, and I suppose they had been open to him by somebody, Maholi or whoever. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he passed it along to us. And some, what kinds of things was it at that time? Well, the close-ups, the, the fine detail, the, uh, you know, big depth of focus, uh, everything is sharp, the... Uh, just sort of intimate probing for detail and, and uh, thing that the camera can do. And uh, the optics, the angle, different lenses. And all of this uh, just gave us a way of making our own statements about whatever it is we were photographing. Mm -hmm. uh, I really can't, never have been able to exactly figure it out. He said, you know, yeah. put quantify it or did you um, did you take any of the little classes that he used to run in his house oh now? yeah sure that would, would have been pretty early after you, you oh yeah met him, you that must been. have been 30 it must have been around 37 or so now this may help you play something because it in the the beginning of the year in 1938 in January to about April is when art went to Chicago and went to the new Bauhaus yeah you know as a student for one term yeah so you might Possibly well, recollected right after in terms of right before or right after. Well, it would have been right. Because he, he gave us, he told us he was setting up his course to be patterned after what he had just had in Chicago. And, you know, he didn't, he wasn't bullshitting us really that, you know, it was all his idea. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, somehow I think, again, it seemed to me I knew Arthur before then, but... Was it, did you take this course a couple times, possibly, or...? Yeah, I think I took it a couple Maybe times. Maybe I was sort of one of the regulars, you know. Mm -hmm. and this was a pretty informal deal, I guess. Yeah, I we'd meet in his living room, and, and uh, go down the dark room, and develop with something in D76 or something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so he might have been using possibly some of those ideas before he actually went to the Bauhaus from reading and so on. I suppose, yeah. And so it might have been confusing to separate the two in terms yeah. of the specific. What were some of the things that he has asking people to do in his role as a teacher, uh, these problems? What well, you, what it, you he'd, he'd start out, my, because I, I know I, I made careful notes and things, and then later I taught some classes, and I used this pretty much, of course, you know, we all kind of adapt it and change it, but sure. I mean, essentially I used the same approach, which is, to start out using photography elements without a camera, you know, the photogram, mm -hmm. the shadowgram, uh, we call them photograms, and where you just use paper and light, you know, 
mulching and light and play around with that. We have to bring that in. And then the next thing was uh, uh, just the very simplest of camera things, uh, you know, pictures of um, just an object with, uh, where it wasn't even recognizable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then finally getting on more and more to buildings and portraits and things. But uh, I think probably the idea of the photogram uh, was the most uh, controversial uh, thing that really shook up the traditionalists because we would then bring in pictures to the camera club, mm-hmm. photograms. You so know, you're making a gesture like a twenty by twenty-four. Well, or sixty day, I don't know. Big print. No, sixteen twenties were usually about our biggest. Yeah. And because none of us had mounting facilities beyond that, and the trays were. Yeah. We couldn't get them in the dark. <laughs> so. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the, the photogram, the abstract image, the unrecognizable image, and the sharp, all over sharpness with glossy paper, untoned, were, is, looking back, the, the, the two things that made the most, uh, con- were the most controversial in the traditional circles. Because mm-hmm. nobody had done that. Now, when you say controversial, I mean, did people really get upset about these things? Well, the well they, yeah, they first place they'd never win a prize, and then we'd get up and shout and argue, and uh-huh. well, why and why did this dumb picture of the winding road win, and when this beautiful thing over here didn't? Uh, well, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I mean uh, that sort of argument, and uh, but but we would also come in with. You know, with damn good stuff, technically really good stuff, and so some of it would get in from time to time, and then this would. So finally, the the group got, I would say, uh, well, had a, a a blending, and uh, we found we we weren't social opposites really. You know, people we could get along. They sort of accepted you. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know we were. We weren't, I don't know, I wouldn't want to convey the impression that we were a bunch of, you know, bug-eyed revolutionaries. It wasn't anything like that. At least I don't think Arthur himself, of course, was a, uh, an arresting figure. You know, his, his eyes, his face, that lean, intense, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was a powerful individual. Yeah, I, I powerful of, personality. Yeah, in in um, well, in terms of this issue of you know the the nature of the controversy, sort of, one of the things that characterized Arthur in, in his teaching in later years, um, to the dismay of some of his students, was that he did have a very intense uh, and uh, frequently fairly abrasive <laughs> manner. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, there were a number of people who were scalded by getting <laughs> in his way. Oh, I've gotten, yeah, I've got. I'm sure I'm, uh, I don't know what he ever has said about me, but uh, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm... Well, I can tell you briefly, it, it wasn't too much, but I can, there were a couple things, and I, this is a good time to mention them. Yeah. Uh, outside of the fact that he seemed to recall you had a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, the other thing was... Um, I guess you worked with him on this uh, on a soap sculpture uh, 
job that he had doing a lot of photographs of soap sculpture. Is that possible? Or helping him print them or oh, helping God. him light them? Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. <laughs> I, what, what did I do? I guess I did some prints for him or dried them or something. What happened? I've been trying to find out more about the soap sculpture kind of because it sounded like kind of a nice group of photographs from the description. Yeah, it was now. Yeah, because he, uh, you know, soap is tough, and uh, he had lit it, and, and uh, yeah. What did I do on that? I remember handling a lot of those prints. Well, when did you actually? I mean, you actually worked for him for a period of time. Well, just but kind only of on a very haphazard sort of on a pickup kind of basis. temporary basis yeah when would that have been then would that have been God, i guess it would have been 38 39 somewhere in there maybe, maybe this will give a little framework here you said you were working uh running a calculator well, I, and then you you obviously what you may want to make a transition into photography after well i got a job at the detroit camera shop <laughs> working for it well at that time eddie eddie's older brother Walt was really the owner I guess mm -hmm. and Eddie was kind of the manager I don't know what it stands there is Walt still alive no I don't think so Ed is right now runs it too. yeah well he pretty much ran it then mm -hmm. but uh, uh, but Walt hired I used to come over there and, and I was getting kind of a local reputation around 37 38 and around in there at these camera clubs, you know, I was winning and getting pictures published. Any particular kind of picture you were well, working just, with or just... They were, they tended to be sort of simple images. Uh, I went up one time and did a, a thing about winter in northern Michigan and, and got published in the Road Revere section of the Detroit Free Press and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. So you're at the camera shop. Yeah, and so uh, well, their darkroom man quit. And Walt said, oh, why don't you spend so much time over here? He said, why don't you come and work for me? And I think it was $35 a week. Mm -hmm. And I spent all day for about a year making enlargements in the darkroom. This was processing they did? Yeah, for they, was the, they had a girl doing film developing and, and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and I did the enlarging for a year, and, uh, and then I went on and got jobs in studios and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that would have been, let's see, I got my first job with a camera shop, I think it must have been in, in about 19, let's see, 30, I worked for four, for four years at the homeowner's loan, so that would put it at about 36, about 40, about 19, 39 or 40, hello. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, a person always remembers the things about another person yeah. that are really their own. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, there are a couple of things about it. One, uh, he, I think he, we, we always kind of got along pretty well, but I think he resented, in a sense, uh, that I made, I made some success. In ways that weren't the kind of things he taught me, really. Mm. I mean, my pictures are sort of uh, pretty simple communicating pictures, and uh, uh, pretty direct, and simple imagery. Mm -hmm. I mean, my most successful picture by far that I made quite a lot on, and it's probably the 
Mm. And uh, he always wanted them to praise him and give him credit. It was one of his things. He would say to me, uh, you know, but you did so and so and so. Why didn't you mention me? Mm. You see? Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, this is a flaw. I mean, I think uh, a teacher's got to know that if he does his job well, uh, he probably isn't going to get much credit for it. Right, yeah. And uh, so, I, I may not be putting it very well, but I, I know it was a feeling that Arthur had about me, where some of the other people, I think, that he taught over the years, more or less lingered with him, lingered with his style, and lingered with his philosophies. And uh, uh, I, you know, I never did. Mm -hmm. And uh, I live a sort of a square life, and... You know, my father was an automobile dealer, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, so. Speaking of, uh, you referred to your father, I just wondered, in terms of Arthur, um, when he'd have these classes in his homes, what, what do you recall of his parents? Uh, they must have been sort of amazed by this whole thing, in a, in a sense. Well, yeah, and some, I never would see them, really. I suppose I met his mother and father. I have the foggiest recollection, though, of, of them. Uh... And uh, when he first taught those classes, was he living with his mother and father, or was this a... Throughout the entire period, he was living with his parents. Because I never saw them. <laughs> he had them pretty well under control, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, they may have wandered in and out, and... Uh, uh, they weren't the I remember kind of... there was always somebody upstairs. Maybe they would sit upstairs when he'd have these, because they were always in the living room. I mean, the classes were in his... Yeah. Living room. This is his house on Taylor. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor, that's the name of it. Yeah, that's the only address he ever had in uh, in Detroit at this time. And uh, so, uh, other than that, though, you know, I think the guy had a, an enormous impact. Uh, another guy that went in another quite different direction, but I think that Arthur had quite an influence on was uh, Harry Callahan. Now, what do you recall of... Uh, well, now, Harry was not as, as much into the thing of Arthur's classes as I was. But Harry and Todd Webb, Harry Callahan and Todd Webb were, were a pair. Ansel Adams came to Michigan in, I think it was 38, somewhere right in that same period, and gave a short course. Mm -hmm. And Harry Callahan took this course from Ansel mm -hmm. and Todd and I and a whole bunch of us. And, uh, and then Harry had, of course, started things and then Arthur brought Harry over to Chicago. Right. See? Yeah. And uh, then eventually <laughs> Harry, for, I don't know how it happened, but Arthur got some hassle over there and quit or something and I guess then went back finally after Harry left. Mm -hmm. Harry then took over, and it was all sort of a mess. I, I was living in Ohio then, and didn't follow it too much. But, see, Harry went off and completely on his own tack. Mm -hmm. In a way like I did, only his photography's completely, you know, he and I were completely different worlds. What do you recall of him as a person? I mean, was he a real quiet... Very uh... modest, quiet. He was a, a guy with a Chrysler motor company. He was a an accountant or something, and goddamn good golfer. Oh yeah. And, Did you used uh, to golf with him? No, but 
and we heard about it. And uh, yeah, he was you know, really good. And uh, he just dropped everything, quit his job, quit playing golf, everything. Started drinking heavily and became a photographer. And he's been the one ever since, you know, a tremendous in, uh, yeah, photographer. Yeah, of course, aware of Kellen. I've, I've written... See, I knew all that. And I used to write for the American Society Magazine Photographer's Bulletin thing, and I did a piece on Harry in the form of a book review. And I did a piece on Adams in the form of a review of his exhibit here. And other people. This has been in the last five or ten oh, years? Oh yeah, ten years, something like that. I'm sad. I'm, I'm mostly in the motion picture thing now, and so I'm really, I'm, I'm not turning down any still work, but I, mm -hmm. most of my work now seems to be in motion pictures. But um, those are really uh, the things I remember about, he, he Arthur, he, he opened their eyes first in terms of techniques. Mm -hmm real photography technique, the technical gut of photography. And uh, then in terms of subject matter, all of these different things, these abstractions, the, you know, the, the books, the different kinds of photographers he would show us about. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we, in the pictorial world of the camera clubs and that, we just weren't, in those days, uh, you know, Stieglitz was sort of a funny name to the salon people and send our pictures around to these salons, you know. Mm -hmm. That was another thing. Arthur was talking about these people. Arthur was sort of rebelling against that whole approach too, the, uh, the, the, the categorized judging of things, you know, composition, subject matter, and technique, and, and press the buttons for the lights, and if you get so many lights, your right. pictures in. And, you know, he was against all that sort of thing yeah. too. And, uh, well, I say he was against it. I mean, he pointed out a lot of its, its, you know, ridicu Flaws, ridiculousness, yeah. and and uh, so it, he was really an eye opener. Let me ask a few yeah. more specific yeah. things here that I'm thinking about. Okay. Um, did he, um, in his classes, talk much or at any length about other photographers? You mentioned the name of Stieglitz. Would he have been the first person who would have mentioned Stieglitz to you, most likely? Uh, or probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was he really interested in sort of making reference to those things in his teaching? Oh, yeah. It'd be men like uh, Stieglitz and, and uh, you know, Maholi. Stieglitz it probably isn't such a good, because you would have, you did hear about Stieglitz. Sure. But, you know, like Maholi, I probably would never have heard of. Well, I would have eventually, but. And who would say, you know, Weston, and uh, he, had, he had a couple of, as I recall, a couple of original Western prints mm -hmm. and Ansel, you know, and, and people like that. That uh, did he have a lot of books that he would show? Oh well, yeah, he was a great uh, guy for the for the books. I mean, I know when I was there, he has an incredible library now, but I just wonder how early he started. Well, it would have been know. started then. He was very proud of that. Was one of the touchstones of his approach was to look at you know this great variety of work, especially of the type that wasn't in the popular literature. Do you remember a book of uh, sort of close-up photographs of heads by a Swiss-German Hell yes! Yes! God! Those <laughs> made an enormous impression. I did a lot of them with mirrors. Some kind of light thrown in. And I went and tried some of that, you know. 
Because I'd see something like that and I'd run out and try it. Mm -hmm. well, you know, I never did it as well, but... Uh, you, you learned something from yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Lursky. Lursky. Helmai Lursky yeah. is his name. Hell yes. <laughs> it's inter the reason I ask is because that particular name crops up in a variety of different places. It's like this... It's almost like a trace element or something in a scientific experiment. Oh, damn, you know, yeah. That Arthur mentions it, um, and other people mention it, and I was kind of almost wondering if it didn't come from Maholi originally, but... Probably, yeah. Did you ever hear Maholi? Did he ever come to Detroit and lecture? Do you ever recall? I don't think... He, he may have... I went to Chicago and met him a couple times, and... Uh, what, around 38, 39? Yeah... That could have been after the war. After the war, I lived in Ohio, but I would get to Chicago on assignments from time to time. And I'd usually stay at Harry's place, Harry Callahan. And I'd see Arthur once in a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, and I, at one point I went up and visited with Maholi. I can't remember been... whether Arthur took me or whether Harry. I, I would think Harry took me, probably. Yeah, I would think probably it actually might have been Arthur because... Harry really just came in right almost at the time Maholi died. Really? Maholi yeah. died in Thanksgiving of 46. Oh, he did? Yeah. 46? Yeah. So that uh, you might have met him oh, during well, that Helen, first year you were have, out. Oh, it must you know? have been, uh, yeah, it must have been uh, our surgery. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, what about Todd Webb? I mean, you mentioned his name. What do you recall of him from Detroit? Uh, what were his pictures like? Do you have any recollection? Or? Well, he was sort of a, you know, a... Uh, Adams Weston type of photographer. Uh, he'd do a little bit more with people, and he and Harry would uh, go out and shoot things and make little contact prints, or mm -hmm. make eight tens or four by fives and mount them. They were always, you know, very beautiful, rich quality, and uh, and you know, I was uh, I was always in with all these groups, but yet I was sort of an outsider because I really didn't do that sort of thing, and yet I. I was interested in it, mm -hmm. but then I'd do my own thing. And, but uh, um, uh, then ha Todd kind of, I don't know what the hell happened to him. He got married and went off to, to New York, and then he moved to Santa Fe. The last I heard, he was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Maybe I know he spent a long time there. I don't know if he's still there mm -hmm. now. But Yeah. Well, did was there a kind of a feeling then that... Uh, like, say, to contrast Harry Callahan yourself in terms of your interest in photography, was there a pretty definite feeling then, as there would be maybe today, that he was trying to do a sort of art photography and you were more interested in the commercial thing, or was that split not seen that same way then? Well, that, that was something that, that's one kind of the way to... Would that be an accurate or a fair yeah. way of... I think the difference would be that there was Harry and I were very close friends and had a really had good times together. And I think if he were... I haven't seen him now for a few years, but, you know, if he'd come out and he was out here a few years ago, and we had a great time, you know. And the fact that our work is different, we argue. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but with Arthur, it wasn't that simple, a social transition or social... Uh, you, at least when I knew him, mm -hmm. maybe he mellowed as he got older, I don't know. Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I think a guy that has something like that is uh, has some enormous inner discipline, and uh, I, it's a, probably the kind of thing I don't have. And so, 
I really admire it, and yet, you know, it makes for maybe a kind of a tortured life. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, was he happy? Did he have children and so on? Yeah, he has, uh, well, he married in 46. Yeah. Um, and was not married more than about two or three years to that woman uh, who subsequently married John Chancellor of NBC. Is that <laughs> little, right? Little side note. I'll be damned. And then in, uh, I believe, uh, 49 or 50 or 51, he met his present wife, Irene. And uh, they have three kids. They yeah. have a, the, the youngest of whom is going to be entering college. I'll be damned. And the oldest of whom is out of school now. And Are they all in good shape and everything? Oh, yeah. 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 And his wife, well, his wife is 18 years younger. So is. she'd only be, what, about 50 or something? Yeah. yeah. And she's an artist. She's a primarily, well, sort of a, she's a painter, but she's really more, drawing is really her major, yeah. major, and she teaches in Chicago. Yeah. And she's a extremely strong, disciplined kind of artist, yeah. person, and really, really a good one. Um, I got a couple other names here of people who visited under the auspices of the photo guild, who were invited in, mm -hmm. in addition to Ansel Adams, because they're because the Ansel Adams visit has been, of course, talked about a lot in different places uh, by Ansel and by yeah, yeah. Harry and other people. But I'm interested in these, just if you recall anything, uh, the significance of any of these other people. I know that Frank Shirchell oh, sure. made yeah. a visit. Yeah. Uh, did you go out and try that kind of job work after he Well, was? no, no, no. Frank was, uh, Frank was a different, Frank was a, a news photographer. You see, there, for some reason, there's certain pockets of influence in, 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 in this sort of thing. I suppose, like, the Photographic Guild was one such thing. Another thing seems to be the uh, Milwaukee Journal, yeah. for some damn reason. Now, why? I don't know. That's maybe one of the things some of your work will show. Why the hell is this great flow of, of people that come out of it? It starts years ago, back with Ed Thompson, and so on, back in the life days. Not, he wasn't a photographer, but, I mean, as an editor. And then Frank, and then all of these guys, Bob Gilka, the Geographic, all these guys, uh, all of whom had no relation to Arthur, but I mean there was this... Another this, nexus over there. Yeah, and, uh, but Frank uh, was a jolly fellow and who uh, was a one of the early staffers on life and very gregarious and got around, got to know people, and I don't know, I got to know him through some pictures I'd gotten in a magazine and I forget just how anyway and others of us and then he got invited and came and uh, I don't think he had much of an influence except he was a, a jolly fellow and he made the whole field of photojournalism seem pleasant and uh, he showed us how he packed his bags and unpacked mm -hmm. his bags after a job and here was this fellow who was flying here and flying there, and it was all very glamorous. And, and uh, but I, photographically, I don't think he had a great. On the other side of the coin is another name I have here, Dr. Max Thorak. Well, yeah. We came at some point. Thorak. I don't remember him much, but he was a pictorialist. What the hell was he doing there? Arthur recollects a virtual argument or, or something with him at, in some one of these workshop <laughs> gatherings. Yeah. As I recall, he was the big salon fella. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And uh, retouched everything and did a lot of, of uh, multiple printing. He'd take a barn and then he'd take some clouds and he'd put it all together. And it was all pretty shitty. And, uh, well, you know, although he was a, a good, good at his 
what he was doing. What he was, was doing. It's kind of awful. It's kind of like done. Mortensen, the youth guy used to be down in Laguna Beach, maybe he still is. But uh, I don't remember much about him, but another guy that came around, uh, whether it was just before or just after the war, was a fellow named Nicholas Haas. Oh, yeah. what can you tell me about him? That's interesting. Well, I took his course. This was, what, like a couple day, week long thing? Yeah, well, kind of like when Adams came, you know, he was there for two weeks, and everybody sort of dropped everything, and it was almost every night we'd be with him. And let's see, Haas, well, this, yeah, this had to be before uh, the war, because we did it up at Harvey Crow's place at Palmer Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think Arthur was there. But Haas showed us a lot of things about, and it seemed sort of cornball at the time about mergers and uh, diagonals being uh, action lines, and mm -hmm. verticals being stable lines, and horizontals being restful lines, mergers being growing out of people's heads and things touching the edge of the picture, and, and how, you know, unless you really meant that to be, it was very damn disturbing if you just happened to do it without figuring out why. Well, it also, th this was also probably the kind of thing that Arthur might have been against. But it really was, really was quite useful. <laughs> I remember, I think I've used old Haas's uh, things that he showed us a lot. But that would be, you see, Haas was showing a, a specific thing of analyzing the area, the traditional rectangle of the, of the printed image. Arthur was way beyond that. You know, Arthur was, what are you all about? Uh, what all kinds of photography is happening? Uh, you know, what are the real ingredients of photography that is the sharpness, you know, the, the infinite detail? Infinite numbers of did Haas um, have any color work or show any color work or any? Well, a little bit. Of course, again, this is time when color was just pretty not, early. Pretty early for know. any kind of printing process. Yeah. Uh, As I recall, he did get into color. He didn't have any color photo photogrammic type work, did he? That you. <coughs> he may have. Nothing that comes to mind. Nothing that comes to mind. What about the issue of color? Was Arthur talking about color much at this point in time? Do you recall? Or I don't recall a lot of it. Might have been. He might have been getting into it. I Nothing that sticks in your mind real no. strongly. Because later on it becomes a big interest of his in some respects. Yeah. More like in the 50s, really. Yeah, I remember that I'd lost track of him for quite a bit. And then this thing came out in life. His, his big portfolio of six or eight pages of these abstract things around the The things with the water reflections the and the, the train lights. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. That was so really nice, really exciting. Um, so you, uh, we were just setting up the chronology. You worked for the loan company for about four years. Yeah. You, what, then quit and worked for the, for the camera store for about a year. Yeah. And at the end of that you started to try and freelance and get Well, I went to work for like a place called Gross, uh, Grossman Knolling Studios. In oh yeah, Michigan. I know that name. Do you? And, uh, then... Uh, well, first I went to work for a place called McGregor Studios, and then I got a job in the dark room at Grossman Nolings, and uh, then, but all this time I was doing things, uh, weekends, I spent a year uh, doing a thing on uh, rural mailboxes, 
And I would go out on the weekends and evenings and stuff and photograph little mailboxes and, and make little prints and trying to show uh, the, sort of the people, but without any people, mm -hmm. just through their mailboxes. And I remember Dorothy Stieglitz, uh, through Dorothy Norman, looked at them and, and bought, she bought one for $5 or something. God, I was so excited. What, did you go to New York to do that? No, I sent them to her. And uh, she said that he looked at them and that I needed to push my technique further. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, she wondered if she could buy one of them for her collection. Hmm. This is God. And see, and so then, uh, so I was doing things uh, on the side, and then uh, I was very friendly with Isidore, and he and I would have lunch a lot and talk and meet in the evenings and go out on the weekends and photograph. And and uh, Margaret, and we, we'd set up safaris, and we'd all go out and photograph and drink and have fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, then this job opened up at Cranbrook. And that was my... That's oh, were you what, the first person to have that job then? No, no, no. No, no, there had been a couple of guys. Charles Eames had just left there, and uh, but the old old Millis was still alive, and the old Saarinen was still alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went out there, and I worked for a year, and that's where uh, probably another major influence was that Cranbrook thing, because um, while Arthur had shown us in books and things, you know, about photography in, in relation to other media and so on. Uh, but there at Cranbrook, it was all happening, you know. There were painters painting and sculptors sculpting. Mm -hmm. and, and I was photographing them doing this. And then I would photograph their work for the files and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a year of very kind of, very eye-opening uh, experience. And uh, then the war was getting really tight, so Shapiro and I had gotten, Shapiro had gotten a job, or I guess Harvey Crows too. We all took our turn down at the General Motors Photographic Division in, down in Detroit, in the dark room. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shapiro was, and Shapiro and I were at the same time there together. Harvey had been there, Harry Callahan worked there for a while afterwards. Just real, super, you know, Drudge, commercial printing and so on, but yes. but they had good training, you know. You really, you really learn some things there. But in any event, and that then I went. Then finally the pressure was on. I got all uh, uh, patriotic and then volunteered for the Air Force to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you uh, end up being well? A I washed, I got in as a cadet and I washed out with a perforated eardrum. In, after a year that I'd had since I was a kid and didn't know it. And so then they looked at my background and I'd photographed, well, I'd photographed houses for Frank Lloyd Wright and I'd been in Cranbrook and, you know, I had this mm -hmm. reputation. So they stuck me as a base a news photographer and darkroom man in, in Texas. And I worked another year at that and that was good, solid kind of rough mm -hmm. training. Now, yeah, Arthur did a similar thing up in uh, somewhere in Illinois. Well, Fairly probably, similar. yeah. We all sort of looked down our noses at, at <coughs> corny old stuff like that, but yet it, it, there is a kind of um, 
of, uh, I guess, discipline about it. That, uh, it has its place. Yeah. And anyway, so then uh, while I was in the service, I wrote a couple of, of articles for a magazine called Minicam. Uh, it used to be mm. the old modern photography. Yeah, I know. The man I was interviewing two weeks ago worked for Minicam from 40 to 42. Who? His name is Henry Holmes Smith. Oh, yeah, well, no, I don't Will know. Lane would have been the editor at that time, I think, was his name. Well, probably when I got, this was during the war, it was owned by an outfit in later. Cincinnati. Right, this is where he worked in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, well, okay. Uh, Matthews, I think, was the guy who Aaron worked Matthew, oh, yeah. God, do I know that man. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I wrote three pieces, one on teaching photography, in which I utilized all the things that Arthur had taught me mm -hmm. and, and that I had then... Uh, incorporated into my own career. This would probably be like 43. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right during, yeah, 43, 44, 44, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I had, then I did an article for them on architectural photography in which I used the Frank Lloyd Wright pictures. And then I did one on, uh, well, something else. I can't think of it now. And they were all published and uh, without any problem, you know, not too much rewriting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so this guy said, hey, this Aaron Matthew said, we're starting a, a, a magazine called The City Farmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're looking around for a photographer. And, uh, and then I was also there looking for somebody cheap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I was in, in Texas, and I was going to stop at Frank Lloyd Wright's. So they designed, he designed a house for us, which we never built. Mm. Got the plans back here in the vault. But uh, for Ohio. But at any rate, he said, why don't you stop in Cincinnati on your way back from Texas to Michigan, where, where my home was, and uh, talk about a job. Well, I thought it was, you know, like going to be $65 a week and gas and oil for my car. And mm -hmm. All I had to do was go around to farms and take pictures. Well, mm -hmm. God, I thought that just sounded just absolutely wonderful. And the, the thing they liked about me was I didn't know anything about farming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they wanted somebody that didn't know about cows because uh -huh. they didn't want the pictures of the cows to look like all the other pictures of cows. So, you know, Matthew is a very clever man. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but, so I started with them and I worked uh, three years as their only staff photographer and uh, finally got, for the first six months, I didn't do anything they could use. And then I got a roll of flex because I was running around with a speed graphic, and I got a roll of flex, which I had used to have used before then. And then I started going, and finally got to where more than half of all the pictures in the magazine, every issue, were mine. And uh, Life magazine was starting to call me, and Frank Churchill had seen my work mm. in the magazine. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so they started calling different other magazines, and so I wanted more money, and they wouldn't. So I, I quit, and I stayed, though, as they're still their main photographer, but I could do other things, but they only paid me for when they used me. And I got a job as a field writer photographer for the U.S. Information Agency. Uh -huh. I worked out of Ohio and traveled at, well, traveled all over the country, but essentially the Midwest <laughs> for three years. And I went to Paris, and then I went all through the West Coast, and doing propaganda stories about the American way of life. This would have Picture been early stories. 50s. This would have been, yeah, uh, 50, uh, 49, 50, and 51. And in 51, 
I then was getting a lot of outside stuff from different magazines and companies. And so it was interfering. I had to make a choice. So I quit and went on my own, and I haven't drawn a wage since about 51. Mm -hmm. So uh, When did you come out to California? Just then I came out to California in 55. It was one of the trips for the U.S. Information Agency that that uh, sent me all through this whole west, all the national parks and the whole west coast, <coughs> for three months. And that really turned me on to the west, and I just couldn't wait. And finally, we <coughs> my grandmother died, and there was a little money, and, and mm. so we were able to afford to come out here. And, and nice I, place. We bought this place. And, and you've been here? Been here since 55. And then I got into, started drifting into movies uh, a few years ago and and got on this river kick and made a movie called Dare the Wildest River. And uh, it's now being distributed by the Pyramid People and uh, in Santa Monica. And then I got a job with the Pioneer People in Des Moines, the seed corn, uh, biggest seed people and uh, I did a movie on agricultural genetics, plant breeding and so on for them and on. It's just been, in fact now we just signed, we're just signing a contract to start <coughs> another one on, on corn genetics. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of brings it up to date on a chronological basis. I should ask you a little something about how this picture was made here of the pigs while we're at it though. <laughs> well, uh, are these real live pigs? Or is this a, or are these stuffed pigs? It's hard to. No, God, no, <laughs> no. We were uh, there. You that, that the, the tail end of that is sort of. Uh, uh, here's some of the things like to give you an idea. Of some of the kinds of pictures I do other than. <coughs> you can just take them and read them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll just these are books. Uh, I did a series of eight states for this set. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, they're just the color covers and then a Cu couple uh, wells in the middle. An essay uh, in the middle. Uh -huh. uh, no captions or anything except at the end. And uh, they're, they're all black and white. Uh -huh. and have you ever seen, uh, of course there's been a lot of books of this format, but have you ever seen a book called uh, the Los Angeles book and one called the San Francisco book with a lot of, lot of photographs by a man named Max Yavno? Well, no, but I know the, I know Yavno's name. I've seen his work. I don't know if I've seen those exact <laughs> books or not. There's old Uncle Ansel. For a second, I thought you dro you drove him out to Hernandez then to, <laughs> to get this. <laughs> yeah. See, then they just have. So it's kind of a nice idea of mm -hmm. of uh, of uh, of. Uh, in the, is it, this is a fairly recent thing, then. Yeah, these are, they, they, they were going to be a bicentennial series, but, of course, they, they took so long that the bicentennial was over with. And so now they're calling the new ones. To, that one says a bicentennial history, but the later ones that are coming out... I just say a history. A history. And this was a... This is a national endowment for... Humanities. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it says here. That's the, yeah. yeah. We're, we're working for the same people. <laughs> Well, I started a project on uh, a movie for the Great on the Great Plains that was funded by the NEH, and uh, but the equivalent of the Eastman House, they they being the in your project, they're the 
The host institution. The host institution in this case was the uh, Hastings in the Nebraska. Uh, some, uh, oh God, some historical society. Yeah, in, in a little town called Hastings, Nebraska, mm -hmm. and the woman was just. It turned out I I completed the photography without a script. You know, there was no. She kept. She was, and finally. We came to edit, and he said, you know, I, we can't edit, we can't do this without, you know, and I began complaining, we got a lot of personal. Didn't work out too so well. So I just bowed out of it. Yeah. And, uh, but I met a couple of the ladies there in Washington, and uh, <clears throat> it seemed like a good deal, you know, a good outfit for Sandy H. Oh, God, you know, yeah. well, they, they do all kinds of different things. Well, the pigs, no, the pigs, we were doing a story on this farm in Iowa. Uh -huh. For the farm quarterly, just you know, follows a super hog raiser, and so when we finished, we had a few minutes before we had to leave. I'd been there two days, and uh, I said, you know, these are awful good-looking pigs. This guy had all his <laughs> house full of them, you know, and and some pigs are better looking, more alert than others. Yeah, that's true. And I said, let's try for a cover shot, and so we went. The editor and the farmer and I went back in the hog house and, and picked out couple of pigs and the editor grabbed one and the farmer grabbed the other and we just carried them outside and I was down on my knees with a Hasselblad and they just held the pigs up and nuzzled their heads together and I took 40 or 50 shots real next 10 minutes you know uh -huh. and most of them they look horrible because pigs hate to be handled <laughs> yeah. and they're screaming and bellowing and <laughs> scrunching but just for the moment they just happened to do that when I and I got that shot and it's a unretouched just a straight plates are made straight from the transparency without any retouching at all. That's good. Well, even the way it's is there some fill flash or something? The way it's lit?